Today we come to a wonderful verse, Joshua 1, 9. It's, um, it's just a, an impactful verse. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We're in a sermon series entitled My Life Verse, and two people wrote this verse in. And Roland is one. Come on, Roland. Again. I said, Roland, do you want to say something about your life verse? He said, well, I'm very shy to speak in public. <laughs> okay. So uh, right here. So just tell us briefly what, uh, how you came to this oh. verse. It's very interesting how you came to it. It is interesting because it originally came from Vacation Bible School, and it was one of the verses that Alexander has stuck with. And there have been different times over the years where he has said that verse, or I've reminded him of that verse. So it's kind of been this hand-in-hand -hand thing as father and son, and just it's just been really nice. But I didn't understand the depth of it, really. I mean, I understood it to a point where it's like, okay, I know, I, God's with me wherever I go. Oh, you can't cry up here, Roland. <laughs> She's putting it on me. <laughs> no, but you don't imagine, you, when you go through the depths, I mean, whether you're looking at Psalm 23 and it says the valley of the shadow of death. Keep in mind, and I've read this multiple times and it just struck me recently, that it says the valley of the shadow. You're not, it's the shadow of the valley. It's like, it's, it's like you're in it, but you're kind of not like really in it. You're, you're just going through it. Like it's more like the shadows over there and you're like, I see you, but God is carrying me through. And I've just realized over the past few years that God's got my back yeah. at all times. Mm -hmm. yeah. The good, the bad, the ugly. Mm -hmm. And I'm really grateful that God imparted that through Vacation Bible School, which imparted it to Alexander to share with me. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's one of many verses that I have but this one especially has really just resounded in me a great deal. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. The other person is Danny Cordero. And I said, hey, are you going to be in church on Sunday? He said, no. I said, that's what I expected because that's happened to me. Um, but he told me, he, he said I could share what he said with me. He told me that he was on a dance team in a church in Pennsylvania, and he was assigned this verse to choreograph for the group. And he said, I felt like the verse picked me. He said, I used to talk all the time, and this verse helped me to mature, to meditate in the word instead of talking over it. So that's Danny. So this is a wonderful verse. But it is 
in the middle of a very difficult context. Now, normally I love the context around these verses that we love, and I love to explore this. It always takes us deeper and fuller, but today we find ourselves grappling as 21st century thinkers with a very ancient and different mindset. Of course, this happens every single time we read the Bible. Every time we have to figure out what the author means and why was that author writing it and to whom was that author writing and then what it means for us to date. We do this as we read scripture. But the book of Joshua is problematic because the Israelites are on the verge of entering into the promised land. Woo, 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 woo. But the difficulty was that there were other people living in that land and God instructed the Israelites to wipe them out. Now that's hard to hear. Um, there's so much violence in the book of Joshua. And the justification that God told us to take over the land has been used over and over and over again in history by the more powerful who covet something that the less powerful have. And that mentality is dangerous. It can be twisted in a, in a flash. The Christian church has much to apologize for in that respect. And that kind of language, God told me to take that, creeps up in Christian circles to this day. Listen for it, and you will find it because it's, it is a dangerous thing that we use to justify. So, so I want to acknowledge that problem at the top, and then I want to go on to the passage to extract what it might say to us today. But if anybody wants to talk about that piece, I'm just going past that now. If anybody wants to talk about that piece, um, I'd love to talk more about that. Now, I love the Bible. I don't know if you've noticed that. Even the difficult bits that cause us some wrestling, and I believe that God speaks to us personally and collectively through his word. So what does he have for us today? We're in Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, spoke to, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, My servant Moses is dead. Now proceed to cross the Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am going to give to them as the Israelites. Every place that the sole of your foot, y'all's Feet, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I, will, I have given to you, you all, as I promised Moses. From the wilderness and the Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, to the west, in the west shall be your, y'all's territory. No one shall be able to stand against you, Joshua. You is singular. No one will be able to stand against you, Joshua all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall put this people in possession of the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, second time, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my, my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. 
This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous and you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Third time, do not be afraid or dis frightened or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The people of God are on the banks of the Jordan. There is a river to be crossed. And this crossing is so very challenging. Not the physical part of the crossing itself, but what lies on the other side. Remember, there were giants on the other side. What lies on the other side presents a problem to the Israelites, so much so that it requires special instructions and personal assurances from God. Now, all of the scripture that was written, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all of that scripture that was written before the book of Joshua lead to this point at the edge of the river, to this river crossing. Remember, God gave the promise to Abraham in Genesis 12, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. That's the promised land way back in Genesis. And I will make you of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. The path to the fulfillment of this promise has been so very torturous, so long, so windy. Somewhere in that journey, the Israelites took a dreadful 400-year detour in Egypt. They ended up being enslaved there. And then thrillingly, God delivers them from slavery. Two million of them were let go. Imagine the economic chaos in Egypt. But now they're free to receive the promised land. So they were let out of Egypt on their way to the promised land. But yet, their disobedience their lack of faith, their grumbling, resulted in another 40-year detour in the wilderness. And as the book of Joshua begins, they had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, and now finally, there is a river to be crossed into God's promised land. So imagine them all camped on the bank of the river, on the brink of crossing. Something is about to change dramatically. Has this river been in your life? Has this happened to you that in order to receive the promise from God, you must first cross a river? You must take a step, a leap of faith that looks to you in God. It really is kind of a picture of how we come to God in the first place. The Apostle Paul put it this way, he has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us, crossed us over, transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. When we come to Jesus, we have to take that step of faith. It requires humility, obedience, repentance, brutal honesty to see ourselves the way God sees us through his standards and to strip all the excuses, all the lies away. It's a formidable process to take ourselves out of the driver's seat and put Jesus at the wheel. And that's always the first river to cross in our faith journey. 
but then there are many more rivers. There will be times when we face a daunting challenge and we'll have to cross the river to meet it. Temptations, disease, financial pressures, relationships, school, work, challenges that require us to put our faith to the test and trust God to get us over and through. And on this side of the river, those look like impenetrable cliffs on the other side. And we come to the realization that we can't do it alone. We get, got ourselves to the edge of the river, largely by our own efforts, but our ability to solve this crossing is beyond our resources, and we need God. In the passage, I tried to point out that the yous in verses 3 through 4 are y'alls. In verse 3 to 4, God is talking to all the people of Israel. But in verse 5 through 9, the pronoun you is singular, and God is talking to Joshua alone. God's voice says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now listen to that voice. However it is that you listen to God, listen to that voice. What do you hear in God's voice? What do you hear in his words? Is it the voice of a coach talking to their star player? Is it the voice of a parent on the sidelines rooting? As the mom shocked me when she was rooting for her son who got plastered in the football game, she's like, suck it up, son. Get in there, suck it up. Is that, is that God's voice? Be strong and courageous. Wipe the blood off. Well, I know one thing it is. It is a divine voice of power and purpose. The almighty Yahweh who revealed his name to Moses, who took the Israelites out of slavery, who showed his provision in the desert by feeding those millions of people every single day with manna. It's the voice of determination. It's the voice of authority and power that says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. And we need to be told this. We need to be commanded this. God had something for Joshua to do. God's salvation plan involved staggering impossibilities because of course, otherwise it wouldn't be God's salvation plan if it wasn't impossible. How else would we know that salvation only comes through God? We don't need God's power to do ordinary things we only need strength and courage in times of drastic change. When an unfamiliar or unplanned future meets us head on, and we not only do not know what to do, we don't have strength for what needs to be done. We need God's strength when we're stuck and exhausted and afraid and alone. We need God's strength when he calls us to do something for him. Be strong and of good courage. This phrase is repeated three times in our passage. And one more time at the end of the chapter. I didn't even read that one. Four times in that chapter. Now plenty of people, when hearing the voice of God, still manage to say, oh, but, but not me. I'm not the one you can use for your plan, God. Use someone else. Moses was one of those. He really tried hard to get out of God's plan. He would rather ride the caboose than be the engine of the liberation train. And I don't blame him because God doesn't 
command strength or courage unless we're facing a monster. And who wants to do that? But the monster comes to us unbidden anyway, and we find ourselves standing at the edge of the river. Who among us needs to hear that voice today? Be strong and of good courage. The best part of the promise comes at the end. Roland referred to it, but there's an important bit in the middle that I don't want to skip. After that command to strengthen courage comes a warning to act right, to follow God's law, to stay on the right path, not veering away from it to the left or to the right, so that you may be successful. Did you notice that? Repeated twice in this. There's, there's your plan for success. Follow God's path. Don't veer from it from the right to the left. It says the book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. That's interesting because I thought it would have said should not depart from your heart. But if God's word is in our mouth and if we repeat it and we recite it, reading it involves and read it, it involves our whole body, our whole mind and potentially the whole person. It's taking God's word into yourself. God's promise comes with a responsibility to react to God's blessing with thankfulness and obedience. For then you shall make your way prosperous, then you shall be successful, our passage tells us. Oh dear. The Israelites weren't really good at being obedient and thankful. Oh dear. We aren't very good at it either. Maybe this also is why we need courage and strength to walk in God's ways so that his word permeates all that we think and all that we do and all that we say. So we have the command, it's followed by a warning and an, an admonition, and finally the command is repeated with a promise attached at the very end. Verse 9, I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And that additional, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, is what makes it possible to follow the command because we have God by our side. Think about the times when you needed courage and strength. Think about anxiety or nervousness or dread when something is really important to you or when you're doing it for the first time or when you just don't want to do what you know you must. And if only you had a good dose of strength and courage to kind of motivate you. Friends and family do their best to come around you and support you when times are tough. But no one can always be with you every minute of the day. This week, kids in the Pasadena Unified School District will be walking into brand new schools. Some of them may be returning to their old schools. And there may be some dread and trepidation there, nervousness. This week, someone may have a surgery or a procedure planned. Someone may get a new job. At a certain point, if change, if, if drastic change is coming, affects you, you're going to have to walk through a door alone. 
you can't bring your mom, let me see, you can't bring your mom to your new job the first day, much as she would love to go. There are many spaces where we can't be physically supported by the people who love, love us. But there is one who can be with you. And Jesus promised, I am with you everywhere and all the time. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Even, even when we cross that final river, death, not the shadow, but death itself. For there is another famous Joshua. We know him by the name of Jesus. Joshua is the English translation of the Hebrew word, and Jesus is the English translation of the Greek word, but it's the same name. Joshua completed what Moses could not, and Jesus completed what Joshua could not. Hebrews 4.8 says, For if Joshua had given them rest, well, we know he didn't. It didn't really result that way. God would not speak later about another day. And in the New Testament, we see the focus on the land shifting from physical land to the kingdom of God. And only Jesus can go with us through death and bring us to the promised inheritance of eternal life. There are rivers to be crossed. In Christian music, and other music for that matter, the motif of a river is prominent. And sometimes it refers to challenges and obstacles. Sometimes it refers to crossing death into the arms of God. Okay, now let me see if you know some songs. Tell me a song that has the word river in it, you musical people. What? Whiskey River. Whiskey River is another kind of river. It's an obstacle. Good. Anybody else? Cry me a river. What? Rolling on the river. Yes, Arlu. Shall we gather? Now, shall we gather puts us, that river is heaven. The river flows from the throne of God. Mm-hmm. Marianne? There's one more river to cross. They must have really thought my thoughts after me. Oh, the, the song came first, you say? Okay, I thought after them. Clayton? River of no return. Wow. Anyone else? Swanee River, of course. River Jordan. Is there a song by the name of River Jordan? Yeah, Robert's saying deep river. Let me tell you, I'm coming to you. Um, Robert, the words of deep river were, my home is over Jordan. I want to cross over into campground. Oh, don't you want to go to that gospel feast, that promised land where all is at peace? Very much on the Jordan. Warren? Oh, deep river, okay. All right. Um, on Jordan's stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye on Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. It's plucked out of the book of Joshua, I feel. I'm bound for the promised land, and I'm bound for the promised land. That's how it goes. Well, you sing the and part, but yeah. 
Uh, spirituals are the Christian songs that, that, that really express African-American resistance to the inhuman conditions of slavery. And the Jordan could represent also the border, not just the promised land, which is death going into the promised land, but the border between slavery and freedom, like between the southern states and the northern states. So the other side of the Jordan could just as often suggest freedom up north. The goodbye song says, I'm sorry, I'm going to leave you. Farewell, oh farewell, but I'll meet you in the morning. You come after me. I'm bound for the promised land on the other side of the Jordan. But that's a, a journey to freedom, to physical freedom. Well, a river takes us places, and we will stand at the bank of a river many times before we get to the promised land. Clara Ward wrote the song, How I Got Over. And this was a song that was just ringing in my ears all week, this old gospel song when I read this chapter in Joshua. How did I make it over? You know, my soul looks back and wonders, how did I make it over? But as soon as I see Jesus, the man that died for me, man that bled and suffered, and he hung on Calvary, and I want to thank him for how he brought me, and I want to thank God for how he taught me. Oh, thank my God for how he kept me. I'm going to thank him because he never left me. How did I make it over? I've enjoyed Aretha Franklin's rendition. I've enjoyed Clara Ward's rendition. I've enjoyed uh, Mahalia Jackson's rendition of that song. Look it up. It's just really, really striking. On the other side of the river, our souls will wonder at God's salvation plan. And in the meantime, be strong and of good courage. Let's bow our heads. Jesus, Joshua Jesus, Savior, the one who completed what no human could do, the one who could make a path through death to eternal life, the one who calls to us to be strong and have good courage. Lord, give us strength for what we are facing. Give us courage for what we are facing. Give us an opportunity this week, God, to be able to rely on you and not to be able to do everything on our own, but to rely on you because then we see what a great and good God you are and we see how far you brought us. And we see that you never leave us. Pray, Lord, for each one of us and our loved ones. Pray for, for our witness. And pray for a deepening and strengthening of our faith. In Jesus' name, amen.